الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى اشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الامين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته الى يوم الدين ثم اما بعد يا اهلا وسهلا يا الله سبحانه وتعالى reward the brothers who are behind putting this conference together may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all of those who are participating inside of this weekend's conference and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward all those who have come out in attendance as well as those who have tuned in from afar as well as those who may listen to what is recorded from the uh, this weekend's conference in the future bismillahi ta'ala this topic is a topic that is of extreme importance because there is not a single one from amongst us except that the hour is near for them as there is not a single one from amongst us except that their death is close to them and soon they will meet their end we would like to reflect with ilahi ta'ala on an event that is going to take place as well as reflecting on the individuals from a historical standpoint who are involved in this event as they are individuals who are presently here and who have been here and in particular we're speaking about the tribes of yajuj wa majuj as is now yeah as is uh, translated as Gog and Magog but in in in, in uh, we know it as yajuj wa majuj there comes a hadith from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fima rawahu al-imam muslim fi sahihi an Zainab bin Jahsh anna al-nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam astayqada min nawmihi wa huwa yaqul la ilaha illallah waynun lil-arab man sharrin qadiq tarada the Prophet ﷺ, as it comes in this hadith, collected by Muslim, narrated on the authority of Zainab bin Jahsh radiallahu ta'ala anha, that the Prophet ﷺ, he woke up from his sleep suddenly, and he said, La ilaha illallah, woe to the Arab, from an evil that has gotten closer from an evil that has drawn it near. Fotiha al-yawma 
من ردم يأجوج ومأجوج مثل هذه وعقد وعقد سفيان بيده عشرة that the barrier the barrier of Yajuz and Majuz it has opened up the like of this and Sufyan he gave an indication with his finger so as to show the amount or يعني, a representation of the amount in which it has opened Qultu our Zainab she asked, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Anahniku wafina salihun, will we all be destroyed even though there are amongst us those who are righteous? Will we all be destroyed even though there are amongst us those who are righteous? Fakala sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nam, Ida kafura al khabath. The Prophet وسلم, he said, yes, if the evil, if the uh, filth becomes widespread, if the evil becomes widespread, if the filth becomes widespread, then na'am, all will be, all will be destroyed. Na'am. There are tremendous benefits that come in this hadith. Tremendous benefits that come in this hadith. And there is a wisdom. Why Imam Muslim Rahimullahu Ta'ala he brought this hadith inside of this chapter Babun Iqtirab al Fitan Wal Fatih al Radmi Yajuz wa Majuz the chapter of the drawing near of the trials and tribulations, the drawing near of the fitan, the drawing near of the last day. And how the barrier of Yajuz wa Majuz has been opened up. Yani, how it has been, been opened. Naam. From the benefits and why he brought this hadith is to show that the likes of these fitan, the likes of these trials and these tribulations, they are not trials and tribulations that are specific to a certain portion of the population due to the exclusion of others. But rather, this is a fitan that will engulf everyone. No one is safe from it. This is, a, this, this is a trial and tribulation that will engulf everyone. And likewise are these fitan that are linked to the last day. Is that they will engulf everyone. Those who are righteous, those who are not righteous. Those who are pious, those who are impious. It will engulf everyone. No one will be safe from it. But it is a fitna that will touch all of humanity. Naam. So within that, there is a extreme benefit for us, the believers, as the reminder benefits the believers, as this gives us an opportunity to prepare and to know what to prepare for, because those who will be alive during these times, then they will be touched by something from the fitna. And it would allow us to readjust our priorities so that we focus in on preparing ourselves Preparing ourselves to be able to hold on ta'ala to our deen when the likes of these things happen to all of mankind. And also to rear our families upon that which will enable them ta'ala to hold on to their deen 
when they will be yani, uh, uh, approached or touched with the likes of these things. There are many benefits that we can take from this particular narration. Uh, the Fadil to Shaykh, Shaykh Suleyman al-Ruhayli, he mentions, and Zainab bin Jahsh, radiyallahu ta'ala anha, anna al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam astayqadha min nawmin, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he woke up from his, uh, he woke up, yani, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he woke up from his sleep. He, he woke up, he got up from his sleep. Astayqadha fad'an, خائفاً من حول هذا الأمر that he woke up and he woke up in a hurry and he woke up and he was scared he woke up and he was scared because of this particular affair and what was the go-to of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam for lack of a better term what was the first thing that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said when he got up but لا إله إلا الله he said لا إله إلا الله I want you to contemplate on this. The ulama, the ulama, they mention, يؤخذ من هذا أن ذكر الله من أسباب السلامة من الفتن is to know that the ulama, they extract from this. They extract from this portion of the narration that verily the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is from the means by way in which an individual will attain safety from trials and tribulations. So from the ways of dealing with trials and tribulations is by the dhikr of Allah. Is by making dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he arose from his sleep he said La ilaha illallah. So ibadullah if we want to benefit and if we want safety from the trials and the tribulations then we have to we have to be consistent upon the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, because I don't want this just to be something that you listen to passively, na'am, but rather I want you to challenge yourself, and I want you to question yourself, and I want you to interrogate yourself, and I want you to ask yourself, as relates to the adhkar, as relates to the supplications, as taught by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inside of the sunnah, how well versed are you? How well versed are you as relates to the adhkar? How many of the adhkar of the Prophet ﷺ have you memorized? How many of these ahadith have you committed to memory? How many of these adhkar are you utilizing in your day-to-day life? How many of these adhkar have you encouraged your family to memorize? How many of these adhkar are you vigilant that they are implementing them in their day-to-day life? Because from those things that will help the individual escape and gain safety, bismillahi ta'ala, from these trials and these tribulations that will touch everyone, is the adhkar, is the supplication, the dhikr, the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is one of the benefits that we get from this particular narration. Naam, فَمِنْ أَسْبَابِ السَّلَامَ مِنَ الْفِتَنِ أَنْ يُدَاوِمُ so from the means and the ways in which an individual they will gain safety from the trials and the tribulations, from the calamities, then it is by being consistent upon remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, again, I want us to 
concentrates and to pay very close attention to this and to not just listen to these things as just words that come across our ears, man. Not just fill our moments yani, for the duration of this uh, lecture with just words that we're hearing. But I want us to implement and I want us to strive to implement ta'ala. Those who are upon khair, then ta'ala. Beg Allah to increase you upon it and thank Allah for guiding you to it. For those who have yet to be upon that khair, then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to aid you and to give you success in being upon it. But it is incumbent that we, that we, that we increase in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is from the guidance of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the Muslim is one who is steadfast upon dhikr. Steadfast upon dhikr. And I want you to reflect on this now. And I want you to reflect on our enemy, the shaytan. Because the shaytan, remember, the shaytan, he's very well versed at tricking us. He's very well versed at destroying us. He's very well versed at getting over on us. Now I want you to reflect. When trials and tribulations happen, when trials and tribulations happen, for the most part, except for those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has had mercy upon them, for the most part, do you find the people busy with the dhikr of Allah upon their tongues? Or do you find the people busy with he said, she said, gossip upon their tongues? Their tongues become busy with he said, she said. Their tongues become busy with talking about things in which don't benefit them. Their tongues become busy with talking about things that in actuality are detrimental and that hurt them. But what you, but what you find scarce upon their tongue is the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But rather, they plunge themselves inside of murky waters, talking about things in which they shouldn't be talking about to begin with, going in and dwelling upon things in which is not their concern to begin with. And you find very scarce the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is from the tricks of the shaytan that he plays upon the people. This is from the tricks of the shaytan and how he gets over on the children of Adam. So remember, we have to remain consistent upon the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when these type of fits and they happen and they become widespread and they start to touch and start to reach everyone, then I want you to stop and to reflect upon yourself and to ask yourself, how much am I remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How much is my tongue remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And then compare that to how much an individual may be speaking about the fitan. This trial and tribulation of the opening of the barrier of Ya'juj wa Ma'juj is tremendous. And we also benefit from this what? That Ya'juj and Ma'juj this is a, there are tribes of individuals who have perpetually been upon the earth. It is not something like they were a people, they were about, and there were people that had that name, and then they died, up, they died off, and then there will come another people in the end of time, and they will have that same name. But this is a tribe of people that they are consistent upon the earth. There are generations and generations and generations of them. Those from amongst them, they live. They have children, as we're going to come to see with Allah Ta'ala. They die, and their children go on to have children, generation after generation. They're perpetually they're here. And this is a reputation upon those who, because their intellects cannot grasp the likes of these things, propose that perhaps they were a, a race 
of individuals that were present in the time of Al-Qarnayn and then they died out and then now they're going to come at the end of time. This is baqil. This is no proof or evidence but rather the proof and evidence speaks against it. Because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said that what? He said that their barrier, it opened up. The barrier opened up a little more. Naam? Which means that it is closer to them breaking through. It is closer to them breaking through. Which shows us that they have been perpetually bent upon the earth, generation after generation. We're going to come back to that particular point or speak more about that uh, portion. In any event, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he woke up, he said, La ilaha illallah, waylun lil-arab. He said, woe to the Arab. It's commonly translated as woe. Woe to the Arab. Naam. Now, woe, it may give us a certain understanding as it relates to the English language, but it may not give us the full understanding and the depth of what is understood when one understands the Arabic. Naam. Which is another encouragement and illustration for myself and for those who my voice it reaches them that we have to learn Arabic. Now we have to learn Arabic because we're going to miss out on a lot. Although we benefit from woe, we benefit from that, but perhaps not as much, uh, well definitely not as much if we understood uh, the Arabic. Because, as uh, Sheikh Suleiman he explains, وَيْلٌ هُنَا مَقْسُودٌ بِهِ حُلُولِ because what is meant by wail here, what is translated as woe, what is meant by that here is that the actualization of evil, that evil would reach. Naam, the evil, it will reach. Also, wail in the origin, in the origin, wail, yani fil asl al ma'na, qil wadin fi jahannam. Also, wail, it is said that in the origin of its meaning is that it is the name of a valley in the hellfire. It is the name of the valley in the hellfire, or of a valley in the hellfire. Waqil, and it also has been said, Wadin min ahli jahannam, that it is a valley that is filled with the pus and the body uh, uh, fluids and, and, and leakage from the people of the hellfire. Naam. Waqil, and it's been said, that wail it means who will adab. It means a punishment. It means a punishment. Naam. So when we look at it, we see that there are many aspects to this particular word, wail. And when we see these aspects of this word, we realize this is a, a strong word. It's not a light word. It's a very strong word. Why? Because what is attached to it is a very serious occurrence. And that is, and yet Jews are not Jews breaking through their barrier. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Wailun lil Arab. That wail, and as mentioned, what is intended by wail here is halul al-sharr. It means that evil will take place. Evil will reach. Naam. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Wailun lil Arab. Woe to the Arab. Or wail to the Arab. Wahal al Arab. Humul mukhtasuna bilfitna yajuz and majuz. This is a question. The fitna of Yajuj or Majuj, is this something that is particular to the Arab? It was just touch the Arab and the Arab only? No, but it'll touch who? Everyone. Naam. So what do we understand by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
specifying the Arab here with mention. The ulama they explain that there are two reasons that the Arab they were specified with mention here. The first one, أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا مُعْذَمْ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ فِي ذَانِ إِذْ ذَانِ That they were the most of the people who accepted Islam at that time. That the majority of the Muslims at that time, they were Arab. At the time in which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he uh, woke up suddenly and he said uh, this, نعم أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا مُعْذَمْ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ إِذْ ذَانِ when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yahtamu lil-amr al-muslimin And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He used to give great concern to the affairs of the Muslims Naam. So it was appropriate to mention the Arab Because they were the majority of the Muslims at that time And this is one takeaway that we get from this particular specification And them being mentioned And also the second thing As Shaykh Sulaiman he explained Lil-indhar Li'an al-fitan Iza waqa'at because the, it was a warning. Because the fitna, the trials and the tribulations, the calamities, when they happen, the Arab are the fastest to be destroyed. The Arab are the fastest to be destroyed. And the ulama, they said that this is as relates to all of the fitna, all of the trials and tribulations. And the halak fil Arab. That the Arab being destroyed inside of the calamities, then it is faster than other than them. That it is faster than other than them. And this is why they were specified with regards to this particular affair. Due to the probability and due to the chance of, or not chance, but due to the likelihood of them uh, being greatly and tremendously adversely affected by this particular fitna. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, That woe to the Arab from a, from from an evil that has drawn near, from an evil that has drawn near. That this evil has drawn near to the epitome of what it is to draw near. That this has become extremely close to happening. This has become extremely close. Now, I want you to reflect that how long ago was it that the Prophet ﷺ, he said this. Naam? And where are we at right now? So it is, yani, this fitna, it is, it is very close. It is very near. And the question has to become, are we prepared to deal with what will take place in the occurrences that will take place when these things happen? Are we ready for the likes of this? Are we ready? Is our iman ready? Because this is what it's about. It's about getting ready. You're warned that something is close because it gives you an opportunity to properly prepare for it. Naam? Right? It gives you an opportunity to prepare for it. Naam? So it doesn't catch you off guard. So it doesn't catch you and you're unprepared. It gives you an opportunity. So, what we benefit from this is to know that it's getting close. And that gives us the opportunity to prepare for it. To get ourselves ready for it. Naam? Because this, this rhythm of Ya'juz and Ma'juz huwa asad alladhi banahu al-qarnayn. Then it is that barrier that Dhul-Qarnayn he built. Naam? 
And the story comes inside the Quran and is well known. It is that barrier that Dhul Qarnain, he built it. Naam. And he trapped them behind that barrier. Well, yet Jews were met Jews in Bashar. And yet Jews were met Jews. They are from human beings. They are from human beings. They are from the offspring of Adam and Hawa. Naam. وَلَيْسَ صَحِيحًا أَنَّهُمْ مِنْ ذُرِّيَّةِ آدَمْ فَقَرْ And it is not correct to say that they are from the offspring of Adam only. Naam, but they are from the offspring of Adam only. Because there is a statement that says that, بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى We will deal with that, inshaAllah, tomorrow in tomorrow's class. Naam. But what is correct, that they are from the offspring of both Adam and Hawa, عَلَيْهُمُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ that they are from both of their offspring. Naam. So yet Jews were met Jews. They are human beings. Naam. They are human beings. And this is clear. They are not some type of subhuman type of thing. They are not some human-like type of being. But they are human beings. They are from human beings. Naam. They are from the children of Adam. Alayhi salatu wassalam. And that's important for us to know what is our aqidah. So no one can come and play games with us. Ma'am. As you have foolish individuals who they come and they try to, they try to propose that yeah, Jews and Jews, they are human-like. That they perhaps yani, are some type of fictitious character from horror movies and so on and so forth. But not exactly human, but kindly human. No, they're human beings. They're human beings. Ma'am. The opening, it was opened to a certain extent at this time. Little more than was opened from before. وَقَالَ الْحَافِظُ بْنُ حَجَرُ قَدْ جَاءَ فِي الْخَبَرُ مَرْفُوعُ أَنَّ الْيَأْجُوجُ وَمَأْجُوجُ يَحْفُرُونَ سَدَّ كُلَّ يَوْمُ That يَحْجُوجُ وَمَأْجُوجُ They dig at the wall every day. Al-Hafid ibn Hajar, rahimahullah ta'ala, he mentioned there comes, there comes in the chain that reaches back to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That yet Jews were met Jews, that they dig and they try to barrel through the wall every single day. Now, we mentioned before what we benefit from the statement of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that the barrier of yet Jews were met Jews was open up to a certain extent. Naam. And we mentioned what that benefit was. This also points to that. It also points to that benefit. And what was that benefit? Was that what? Not, not that one. Not that one. Huh? No, no. It's linked to yet Jews and not Jews. That they're, they're humans. That's one. But that's not the benefit I'm looking at, looking for. They're still alive. That they, that they're still that they're perpetual. That these tribes. Still here. They, they didn't stop. They didn't stop. But they go generation after generation after generation of other human beings. Now, they're born and they die and they leave children who, you know, have children who have children, so on and so forth. Now, so this is another indication that shows us that they're perpetually here because every day they are digging at this barrier. They're trying to break through this barrier. From the time they were trapped, every day they've been trying to break through the barrier. As it comes in the hadith, أَخْرَجُهُ الْتُرْمَذِي 
Naam wahassanahu. There comes a hadith collected by a Turmadi and he and he greeted as Hassan Ibn Hibban Wal Hakim Wasahaha and Hakim Ibn Hibban as well and Hakim he greeted it as being Sahih on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu that every day they are digging and trying to break through the barrier hatta idha kadu yakhriqunahu qala alladhi alayhim irji'u until they almost get through it and then the one the leader over them or the one who is yani uh, uh, in charge of that of that of that digging he says go back naam go back uh will break through it will continue tomorrow naam go back will continue tomorrow so they go back they dig 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 until uh as it comes to some of the narrations or comes a narration that they can see the lights or the rays of the sun coming through it naam they can they can see the rays of the sun coming through it and then night falls upon them and they say okay we'll come back tomorrow naam فَيَعِيدُهُ اللَّهِ كَأَشَدْ مَكَانِ And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He puts the wall back stronger than it was before Puts the wall back stronger than it was before حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغَ مُدَّتِهِمْ Until until they comes their appointed time نعم وَأَرَادُ اللَّهِ أَنْ يَبْعَثَهُمْ قَالَ الَّذِي عَلَيْهِمْ إِرْجِعُوا فَسَتَخْرِقُونَهُ غَلًا إِن شَاءَ اللَّهِ Until there comes a time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for them to break through and to come out, the one who is in charge over that excavation of digging through the wall, he will say, go back, and we will continue digging it tomorrow, إِن شَاءَ اللَّهِ Naam, he will say, go back, and we will continue digging it tomorrow, إِن شَاءَ اللَّهِ And then when they come back that next day, it will be as they left it. And then they were able to break through, and then... They'll come out and, yani, you know, and, and, and cause uh, yani, much calamity upon the human beings. Naam. From this particular hadith, there are a number of benefits that we get and we understand from this particular portion of, of, of this particular narration. Qala Imam ibn Arabi, he mentioned, وَفِي هَذَا حَدِيثُ لَاتَ آيَاتِ Zahirat. Then inside of this hadith there are three very clear uh, signs, three very clear uh, uh, benefits that we extract and gain from it. The first one, أَنَّ اللَّهَ مَنَعَهُمْ أَنْ يُوَالُوا الْحَفْرُ لَيْلًا وَنَهَارًا Is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prevents them from continuously to work 24-hour shifts. That they are prevented by Allah from working 24-hour shifts. Naam. So they work up until it is about, it gets, it, yani, uh, uh, the, the day it ends, and they, and, 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 they, and they can see some rays of the sun coming through it, then they say, we'll come back tomorrow. Naam. So there is a benefit that we gain from that. Because a person will come and say, well, how come they've been digging all this time, they ain't break through yet? Because Allah has not decreed that. Allah can, whatever Allah wills is, whatever He does not will is not. Naam. So because Allah has not willed it. Very clear. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prevented them from working 24-hour shifts. Allah ta'ala has prevented them from working day and night. So they only work during the day, then they stop. Now, then they stop. So we benefit from this 
is that they are prevented in their there by Allah Ta'ala's decree. Naam. The Shaykh he mentions, he says, Umvuru ya ikhwa. He says, brothers, look at this. Look at this. If they were to dig night and day until they only was a little bit from the barrier left, naam, that they that they would dig all this time so only a little bit of the barrier left, and then they will say, Let's go back, Yani, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and then we finish it. Naam. But when they come back, it is rebuilt stronger than what it was before. Who is the one who sends them away? Who is the one who sends them after digging all until they have gotten so they almost broken through? Who is the one that disperses them day in and day out? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He disperses them until the time that He has decreed that they will break through. Naam. So all of this, all of these things, then they show you the might and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that what Allah wills is and what He does not will, it is not. And this is not hard for the believer to understand. This is not hard for the believer to accept that they do this and then they stop because that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He has decreed. Naam. But the second thing is that minhum that from them uh, oh, excuse me is that they have been prevented before the next one because they have been prevented from trying to scale it now they have been prevented from trying to go over the wall they don't have the ability and they have been prevented from trying to scale it so because they've been prevented from trying to scale it then their only resort is to try to break through it now that makes sense but thirdly what we understand from this is that their uh, uh, being prevented from breaking through now that they are being prevented from finally breaking through is due to them not saying inshallah now it's because they don't say inshallah they say oh we come back tomorrow finish it now so then it is rebuilt stronger than what it was. And this is what prevents them from ultimately breaking through is because they don't say inshallah. Naam. But when it is time for them to finally break through, what would be the difference between that day and all the days that came before? Is that what? They're going to say inshallah. Then when they come back, how's the wall going to be? The same way they left it. Then they're going to break through. Naam. These are some of the benefits that uh, Imam Ibn al-Arabi, he points out. Wal-Hafid Ibn Hajar, he brings some more benefits. Naam, he brings some more benefits. And from those benefits he mentions, he says, also we understand from this, Naam, that from them we have Ahlu Sina'a. That we have from them people who know about engineering. Naam. So you have from them people who are skilled when it comes to breaking through barriers and engineering tools and whatever there is to break through those particular barriers. So you have from them people of industry. You have from them people who are involved in manufacturing. 
Because they have tools in which they're breaking, in which they're chiseling at these walls through, and we'll come to see Ta'ala that they have uh, uh, many types of weapons as well that they that that uh, they have uh, their ironsmith and whoever that are making and forging these weapons uh, for them. Now, so they have some level of, of of technology. They have some level of engineering know-how and so on and so forth. This is also what is benefited. Uh, from this particular narration. Also what is benefited from this narration is that they have order. They are not a society that is built upon anarchy. Now, but you have from amongst them those who are leaders and those who are rulers and those who are their subordinates. And we benefit that from the fact that the one who is over that digging project tells them, okay, stop, we'll come back tomorrow. Now, which shows they have a hierarchy. Which shows they have yani, rulers and, and so on and so forth. And they have others who are subordinate to uh, those rulers. Which is another benefit. Which shows that they are a structured society. Right? They are a structured society. They are not a society. And all of this, all of this is a clear reputation upon those individuals who would like to describe them as being zombies. These fictitious creatures who from their characteristics is that they don't think, they don't have higher brain function. Right? This is sci-fi. This is sci-fi. But individuals being so sick and not able to accept the revelation will prefer a sci-fi explanation as relates to uh, these children of Adam. Yet Jews were not Jews. Now, now when one reflects upon that, they will see how the shaitan has completely destroyed the intellect of this individual who deems himself to be so intellectual, namely Yasir Qadi, who will prefer and find it more probable that they are a race of zombies than as what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet had described them as being. Do you understand? Because when we look at these texts, these are some of the things that are drawn away from it. That they have to be people of engineering, they have to be people of manufacturing, they have to be people who have some type of hierarchy, they have to be people who have others who are yani, uh, 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 yani under, those who are being ruled, and so on and so forth. They have the rulers and those who are ruled, so on and so forth. All of this points to what? To organization. It points to higher brain function, right? Uh, uh, and, 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 and this is what is plausible to the sound intellect. This is what is plausible to the sound intellect. Now, for an individual to say that it's more probable that a fictitious creature is what is described by yet Jews and my Jews, and that's more probable, more probable to who? Someone who has a deficiency in their intellect. Has a deficiency in their intellect. Now, it makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. So we're going to take the, the text and throw that away and accept the narrative of Hollywood, that makes more sense. SubhanAllah. Not someone who has sense. Alakullihad, these are some of the things that are extracted from this uh, particular 
narration of and the Jews of Majuz. Also, now. It just came to my mind because you, you mentioned earlier how and we'll come more in depth in detail, but Allahu a'la wa a'lam, because we have not been informed of the likes of, of, uh, of this. However, there are from amongst them, as is clear from the text, those who know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ulama, they explain that it is either because there are those, there are probabilities that those who, they know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that's why at the end of times when they finally break out, they will say, we'll come back inshallah. Or it will be because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired them to say that at that time. So that uh, what he intends to happen, happens. Naam? That, that what he intends to happen, happens. But as far as them living, uh, having children, so on and so forth, uh, then naam. Then they are like us in that regard, that they live and they have children and, you know, so on and so forth. Naam? That makes sense? No. Has disclosed a... Description of the wall and its location. The description of the wall comes inside of the Quran. Now, the description of the wall, as far as the location of it, it is something that is hidden. It is something that is hidden from human beings. Now, and it's hidden from human beings for yani, a wisdom uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has hid the, the knowledge of this wall from the human beings. Just like He has hid yani, the actual location of these tribes from the human beings. It's hidden from us. They're here on earth. Ma'am, they're not like on another planet. No, they're here, right here on earth. But where Allah Ta'ala, He has hidden them from us. Ma'am, for a great wisdom. Because when it's time for them to come out, it's time for them to come out. And, it, and, 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 and it's not meant that they will be interacting with prior to that. Ma'am, it's not meant that they'll be interacting with prior to that. And anyone who knows yani, the reality of them, anyone who knows uh, that which they have been described them in the text, these, these are two tribes you don't want to find anyway. You understand? These are two tribes you don't want to find anyway. But in any event, let me give you an example to show because some people they'll say, oh, well, you know how? We, be, you know, we map, we got GPS, we map the earth, we got satellites, we see this, we see that. SubhanAllah. Yeah, I mean, human beings and their arrogance, human beings and their arrogance, even with all of these leaps of technologies and, and so on and so forth, technological advances and so on and so forth, are still extremely limited. Now, I'm still extremely limited. Just in the rainforest alone, they're finding new creatures all the time. Stuff that they, they didn't see before. Now, new types of frogs, new types of this, new types of that, new types of lizards. They've never seen it before, something different, so on and so forth. Because there's much that we don't know about on the earth. There are many parts of the rainforest that are unexplored. There are tribes within the rainforest that they do happen to stumble upon and find them, of which no one knew they were there from before. Now, they're even now finding new civilizations in the rainforest where it had been a civilization and it had been destroyed and then grown over and so on and so forth. And how is that one of them was able, according to their yani, research, Allah Ta'ala A'lam as relates to the accuracy of their research, but from what they claim is that because there were certain types of, of, of vegetation that grew in bunches. There were certain types of vegetation that grew in bunches. 
and 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 and, and uh, it was uh, extremely organized, meaning that there were certain types of vegetation that benefit other types of vegetation, and certain types of vegetation that had to be kept apart because they were ultimately uh, very dangerous for one another, so on and so forth. And, and they were able to find that there are certain types of plants that are that are that 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 that, that are there, and then there are other type of plants that are right next to other type of bushes that help it. Then beyond that, the bushes that will help that bush, and so on and so forth. And they said, "Wait a minute, let's investigate." And as they start to do this, they found that they used to be there a civilization from before. That was there, destroyed, gone, no one knew about it, and now we're finding it again, right? So the point is to say is that there's much about the earth we still don't know about. There's much about the earth we still don't know about, the earth. We don't know anything about it. So is it that unfathomable to say that there are uh, a group or there are a tremendously large number of tribes of individuals, or a tribe of two tribes of individuals that are there on the earth that we haven't found them? That's not, that's not improbable at all. Just from the standpoint of the limitations of our knowledge, that's not improbable because of our limitations. Now, when you add the reality to it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ala kulli shayin qadir, then Allah ta'ala has ability to, to, to do all things, then is it improbable? No, that's very probable. Of course. If Allah ta'ala decreed that there be a, a, yani a massive group of individuals upon the earth and that, uh, that they will have no contact with us until it is time for them to break out and to cause havoc, and that's what, that's what it's going to be, and that's very clear. That's easy. That's easy to understand. Right? You with me? It's very, it's very easy Annie, uh, to understand. But when they come out, and this is, this is important to know, that Zainab, radiallahu ta'ala anha, she understood the implications of them breaking through. She understood what was going to happen and what was going to be the ramifications when they finally break through. And so she asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, أَفَنُهْلَكْ أَوْ أَفَنُهْلِكْ And both of them have been transmitted. Naam. Will we be destroyed and will we perish? Naam. And will we be destroyed and will we perish? وَفِينَا الصَّالِحُونَ And you have righteous ones who from amongst us. Will we perish? And there are amongst us individuals who are actually, yani, who are righteous. فقال, يعني, uh, uh, so the Prophet وسلم, he said, yes, نعم, that we will all be destroyed, that يعني, the righteous one and the unrighteous one, they will all be destroyed. If what? If the filth becomes widespread. If the filth becomes widespread, we'll all be destroyed. نعم. Now I want us to look at what have the ulama explained? What is the meaning of al-khabath? What is the meaning of filth here in this context? If filth becomes widespread. Professor al-ulama bizina. That the ulama, they have explained it by a zina, fornication and adultery. Naam. That if it becomes widespread, if, if it becomes widespread and in great multitudes, then this is the spreading of this is the spreading of uh, the evil. This is the spreading of the filth. Naam. وَفَسَّرَهُ بَعْضُ الْأَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ zina. And some of the people of knowledge they have described it as being bastard children, children who have come about from uh, uh, extramarital affairs. Now, meaning their parents, they weren't married. The parents were unwed parents, 
and they had any children, that it would mean that there will be a lot of children that are result from the union of unmarried people. Now, now one of the things you'll find, now, is that when you have the ikhtilaf like this, when it comes to the understanding of certain words, this type of ikhtilaf, as the ulama they explain, is to nowhere, is from varying angles and shades, but they all are understood. Why? Because they all can coexist without the, yani, without the exclusion of the other. So could it be that there's a lot of fornication? Yes. Now, there being a lot of fornication, does that negate the fact of there being a lot of children born out of wedlock? No, but in fact, they work together. There's a lot of fornication, and as a result, a lot of children out of wedlock. That when this type of situation starts to happen, then this opens up mankind for all of them to be destroyed. The righteous and the unrighteous. Now, but they all be destroyed. That when the situation becomes like this, when fornication is widespread, when the children who come from unwed marriages is widespread, when that becomes the norm, now everyone can be destroyed. Everyone. Those who pray, those who don't pray. Those who fast, those who don't fast. Those who believe, those who don't believe. Everyone can be destroyed now because the evil is widespread and no one is, caught, is, is warning against it. No one is striving to stop it. Now, now I want you to reflect on this because, and this is, and this is yani, why it's so dangerous the likes of Yasser al-Qadhi that those who will put doubts inside of the minds of the Muslims as relates to these historical facts. This historical fact. This ain't no fiction. This is not no story. This is not a fable. This is real. This is history. Ma'am, Dhul Qarnayn, he trapped them behind the wall when the people came and they were complaining to him about them causing harm and, and, and inshallah ta'ala would get more in depth into that. But this is historical fact. And he built the wall, and they aided him in building the wall, and he trapped them there. And they've been trapped there trying to dig through every day since. Right? This historical fact. The fact that they, it was opened up just a little bit. His historical fact in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, opened up a little bit more in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's historical fact. It's not fiction. But why? How do we benefit from all this? Because it helps us get ourselves ready. How do we benefit from all this? Is, is, it, is it that this is something that is unconnected to us, it's not related to us? No way. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said that when the, when, when, when the filth becomes widespread, then all can be destroyed. Now look at the time that we live in. Look at the time that we live in right now. Fornication being widespread. Is it not? But it is widespread. It's normal. Ma'am, children being born out of wedlock. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it except that children are being born out of wedlock? This is normal. Back in the days, long time ago, on a birth certificate, even in a Catholic country, they will, have, they will have husband and wife. Husband and wife on a birth certificate. But illegitimate children have become so widespread, it don't even say husband and wife anymore. Now it says mother and father. Why say mother and father? Because many of the people who have any children, the titles of husband and wife is, is, is not applicable to them. Because they're not married. Because they're not married. So they changed it to mother and father. Why? Because the evil has become widespread. Now why is this applicable to us? Because when this situation like this happens, now 
We all can be destroyed. Everyone can be destroyed. So it's very applicable to us. Now, he said he doesn't believe in the in the, in, 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 the, in the traditional uh, narrative of the belief in yet Jews and met Jews. He believes that they were a group of people that lived during a time and Dol Parnain trapped them, but then they would disappear because it's improbable that a wall would last for all these thousands of years. It's impossible to him because of his knowledge of, of architecture and, and uh, excuse me, of engineering. Right? And then he believes, no, a wall can't last that long, so no, no, I, I can't believe it. That's probable. But perhaps there'll be another group of people at the end of time who will be human-like that will also be called yet Jews and met Jews, but they'll be human-like and they'll be destroyed by some kind of anti antibody, anti whatever, yeah, 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 uh, 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 antibiotic or whatever that he claims, and so on and so forth. And the way he describes them, they're yeah, human-like, huh? caused by a virus, so on and so forth, you understand, cured by <laughs> Allah was saying. He describes zombies. He says it makes more sense to him that there'll be some zombies in the end of time that come and wreak havoc upon people, and then some antibody will come and wipe them out. SubhanAllah, this is something like from Hollywood. Really, this is something somebody watched somewhere, or read in some stupid book somewhere, a fictitious book. But he said this is more probable than what Allah says in Surah Kaf. This is more probable than what the Prophet explained in authentic hadith. SubhanAllah, this is horrible. This this individual this individual yani, is, 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 is is tremendously dangerous because because as as Imam bin Baz he mentioned to disbelieve in a Dajjal, to disbelieve in Masih, to disbelieve in Yajus and Majus, this is kufr. But kafr, a person disbelieves. Naam? Listen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how did he describe the believers in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah? They are those who what? They believe in the ghayb. They believe in the unseen. Naam? They believe in the unseen. When you reflect upon this, the belief in the unseen, just that alone, in that portion of the ayah alone, is the proof and the evidence for the belief in the arkanul iman. Because the arkanul iman, naam, they are what? To believe in Allah. To believe in the angels. To believe in the books, to believe in the messengers, to believe in the day of judgment, and belief in the day of judgment is means everything connected to the day of judgment from the time of death on. That's what it means to believe in the day of judgment. So from the punishment of the grave, from the sirab, from yani, you know everything, all the signs of the hour, all enters into belief in the day of judgment, right? <coughs> and belief in qadr khayri wa All of these six are unseen. They're matters from the unseen. And this is from the characteristics of the believers. So to negate this is to fundamentally challenge, to fundamentally yani, attack the belief of a Muslim in the unseen. Now everything has to be quantified. Now it has to be quantified. How can a wall, my knowledge of engineering tells me a wall can't last that long? Your knowledge of engineering has to quantify the belief of the Quran. Where's your belief in the unseen? Where's your, where's your understanding that there's things that take place that are beyond your comprehension? 
I don't care where the human beings have reached in their knowledge of medicine. I don't care where the human beings have reached in their knowledge of, repro of reproductive science. I don't care where the human beings have reached in their knowledge of embryology, so on and so forth. None of that explains the creation of Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam. None of that. Because it's what? Because it, it, it shows us the power and the might of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. None of that explains how Isa, alayhi salatu wasalam, was created inside of his mother's belly with no father. Now, I'm going to come and say, no, it had to be a father because our knowledge of embryology says, what? Are you kidding me? Now we're going to weigh everything according to your scientific quote-unquote theories. And anyone who has studied the history of science and studied science throughout the past hundred years know that they said something at one time and then come back later and they swore it was true. Then they come back later and say, no, actually that was wrong and we didn't know what we were talking about then. SubhanAllah, this is, the, this is the nature of their knowledge because it's built upon the efforts of human beings that are flawed that come up short because our understanding is flawed when it comes to knowledge we have been given only but a little bit Naam, reflect on what Khidr told Musa huh? when the bird took a little bit of water out of, out of, out of, out of, out of the, the, uh, the ocean he said the lack of what it took is with the knowledge that we got nothing so that little bit of knowledge that now, now, we, now we can understand and break down everything do you see the arrogance of human beings you see the arrogance of human beings and how destructive this is and how this is what they want to uh, 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 promote to our children under the guise of trying to save the Islam. How are you trying to save the Islam when you're doing that which will destroy their Islam? You want to save the Islam by replacing it with that which ultimately destroys it? That makes no sense. It makes no sense. Does it? None. But this is why the likes of these individuals are so Dangerous. This is why when it comes to the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, it's for purpose. It's not just for any, yani just for no purpose, no reason. The reason why we take caution or who we take knowledge from is not just because we want to be cautious of who we take knowledge from. It's because we're dealing with something that is, uh, is tremendously important and that if you get it wrong, it's tremendously dangerous. So you have to be careful. That's like you take having money. Do you put your money just with anybody? Do you give your money just to anybody to invest your money? No, because you don't want to lose your money. So you're very selective to make sure that this individual knows his business, to make sure this individual knows what he's going to do, to make sure that this individual, or at least has a good yani, probability of growing your money. You're not going to give it to somebody who knows going to destroy your money, waste your money. You're not going to do that, because you don't want to waste your money. Now, so therefore, you will not put your money in the hands of any and everyone, because you don't want to waste your money. Okay, so when it comes to our deen, then it's okay for us to put our deen in the hands of any and everyone. You're not scared about wasting your deen, but you're scared about wasting your money. You understand? The phone, people got in their pocket, they love it, right? Something happened with your phone, you bring it to me, said, ah, fix my phone. So I bring out a big mallet and start just hitting it and tapping it. So what you going to do? You're going to say, ah, stop, give me. Because evidently you don't know what you're doing. I don't want to break my phone. I don't want to jeopardize my phone. Let me take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. So you're selective. You don't bring your phone just to anybody and say, here, fix it. You don't bring your computer to anybody and say, here, fix it. You don't bring your car to the grocery man and say, here, fix it. No, the grocery man knows about fixing your car. He knows about showing you what produce is good and then that, but he'll know about fixing your car. So you won't give me your car because you don't want to waste your car. You won't give just anybody your computer because you don't want to break your computer. You won't just give anybody and say, hey, come fix my plumbing. Why? Because you don't want to ruin your plumbing. 
You go to anyone and say, hey, could you fix my electrical box? You could put a new transformer in for me? You do that? No way, because you don't want to blow the house up or you don't want to yeah, burn it down because the, the wiring is wrong. Because you don't want to waste your house. You want to waste your whatever. huh? But then when it comes to Adin, we just give it to anybody. Oh, he sounds good. He's a professor. Oh, he got this. Oh, he got a PhD. Okay. Subhanallah. Do you know how many individuals that they got PhDs and they're functioning idiots? They're morons? Stupid as I don't know what? Look at all the physicists who disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What his PhD did for him? Huh? He's an idiot. He's stupid. He's a moron. You learn all that to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Medical doctors disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You learn all about how the body works and so on and so forth. And then ayat, yani, science inside yourself. You learn about all these intricacies. Which, which, which any aql, any person with a mind will understand that this is by design. This, this isn't happening. I know this is by design of one who is all-knowing. But you learn all that stuff and then turn around and, and, and that translates into you don't believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what good is that PhD for that particular individual? He's an idiot. He's stupid. He's an educated dummy. So this is because of the PhD and letters in front of someone's name. It means nothing. This is why we're selective. This is why it's from the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah. They'd be very selective of who you take your knowledge from. Because it's dangerous. Giving your knowledge to the likes of these individuals, giving your deen and putting it in the hands of the likes of these individuals is tantamount of destroying yourself and destroying your deen. You let your children listen to these individuals? This is dangerous. SubhanAllah, this is dangerous. What brought us to this? What was he talking about? No, before that. Nah. Wait. When the facade becomes a lot. Nah. When the facade, it becomes a lot. Then, then, everyone is under the threat of the punishment uh, reaching them. There's more we want to uh, touch on on this particular point and also go further into depth of Ya'juj and Ma'juj and also mention some of the unauthentic things that are mentioned about Ya'juj and Ma'juj so we know those things that are mentioned are completely baseless uh, and uh, also go more into the dynamic of the society of Ya'juj and Ma'juj because this has a definite bearing upon an individual and upon his, uh, his, his Iman these are things that we have to know because this is from our Iman. This is from our Iman. And these are things that we have to be well grounded in because we have individuals where uh, uh, an example of the one who we was talking about, I ain't going to say his name no more, it's not even worth mentioning outside to say stay away from him uh, because they are attacking the fundamentals of our beliefs and we will not tolerate uh, the likes of that. We'll stop at this particular point and we'll pick up from this in the next class.